0: Uh, if you're, again, if you're new to Delaware Bible Church, what I typically do is I typically preach through whole books of the Bible, um, and I'm looking forward to when this series is complete, we get through the holidays of diving into the book of Acts. That's going to be wonderful, so start reading now. But um, what we're doing right now is we're we're taking more of a, a topical approach and going into the uh, what the Bible says about stewardship. This is the last sermon that I'm going to preach on this topic, uh, and then next week we'll be collecting... The commitment cards and seeing what the Lord's gonna do with this idea of expanding uh, this ministry. But the question uh, last week I talked about stewardship, and the week before I talked about the fact that God owns everything. So uh, let's build on that a little bit and, and say and, and ask this question What should be the goal of the stewardship we learned about last week? Last week we covered Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, otherwise known as the parable of the bags of gold. And uh, we talked about uh, that that our job is to be good stewards of all that we have been entrusted with by God. So what does that look like? What should the goal be? And in order to get into that, I'm going to cover a a particular part of God's word uh, in Paul's life, the Apostle Paul, uh, beginning in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Now, let me set it up with some context. Paul is uh, probably uh, one of, if not the greatest and most prolific church planters ever, the Apostle Paul. And um, he spent some time in a town called Ephesus. In fact, uh, we think he spent more time there than any place else in terms of his missionary work, about three years. And um, he spent some time there teaching and preaching and establishing churches and elders. And and then he moved on to uh, and did some months in Macedonia and in Greece and then the, the Lord had laid it on his heart that he needed to go to Jerusalem, which was, in Jerusalem, Paul was persona non grata, meaning they don't like him there, okay? Uh, the folks in Jerusalem, the Jews in Jerusalem, are trying to get him canceled for what he's saying, okay, to just to use modern language, and, uh, and to shut him up and to put him in prison. And so, um, uh, but the Lord had laid it on his heart that he's going to go to Jerusalem. So before he goes to Jerusalem, he makes a last stop uh, after spending some months in Macedonia and in in Greece, he makes a stop through Ephesus uh, and making his way to Rome. And uh, let me just pick it up and read uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 17 and following. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, so there's the, there's the who, we're talking to some the church leaders in the church of Ephesus. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. In other words, Paul did not do this ministry unopposed. He was greatly opposed. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await, await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and able and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel, or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive." And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The question on the table today is what should the goal of the stewardship that we learned about last week, what should be the What should be the goal? Paul is wrapping up his time in Ephesus, and he's saying his goodbyes, and he's heading towards Jerusalem, which, you know, as we ultimately know, is going to lead him to Rome and to his demise. But uh, what was his goal? What, what can we analyze from this passage, and what can, we, what can we apply to our own lives? The first thing I want to submit to you is this. There's really two main points. The first one is this. Avoiding covetousness, we are to meet our needs, our own needs first. Avoiding covetousness, we are to meet our own needs first. Look at what it says. Look what Paul says in verses 33 and 34. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands, and there I think he's talking about his own hands, ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. Uh, Paul is what we call a tent maker, right? He, He uh, some In today's language, we might call this person a bivocational pastor. He, he knew a trade, and he, he oftentimes practiced that trade to make the money that he needed to live on. And then he also uh, ministered the gospel, as he spoke about ex- extensively in this text. But he said, I coveted no one's gold or silver or apparel. To covet something means to desire or long for something. To desire or long for something. Uh, That is the definition of covetousness. And obviously, you know, to desire or long for God in your life is a good thing. To desire or long for something that God has said in his word is a good thing. But typically, the way covetousness manifests itself, and the context tells us this, right? I coveted no one's gold or silver or clothing, is that we long for something for ourselves. Something to enrich us, something to meet our creature comforts, okay? Okay. And wanting the things for the body is not bad. Paul Paul just said, you know, uh, I, these hands minister to my necessities. So there's a balancing act here, right? It's not wrong to have the things for the body, food, clothing, and shelter, but there's also the following thing. And that is that you're longing for something. There's a creature comfort. You're longing for something for the body, your desire for that, if we're not careful, you know your heart, I know my heart, our longing for something can begin to drown out other things, good things. They can begin, those thoughts can become overwhelming and that we, we obsess about things to the point where we, it's all we think about is getting this or that or, or wanting this or that. And those things are not the things of God. So that's what Paul is talking about. He, pre, he lived a life, a very non-covetous life, And instead, he worked with his hands to meet his own needs. There's something in Scripture that Scripture just talks about over and over again. God tells us in his word, uh, and I'm going to put it in, I'm going to paraphrase it, and that's this. We were not designed by God to be creatures of selfishness. We were not designed by God to be creatures of selfishness. We were designed to seek and discover our happiness in loving God and loving and caring for other people. That's the way he designed us to be. And so when we go out into the culture and we see folks who have, have spent their lives accumulating, wanting and accumulating, wanting and accumulating, and then they stare at the camera in an interview and say, I'm just not happy, I'm just not satisfied, or worse yet, they do themselves harm or even suicide, we remember the reality that we are taught in the scriptures is that we are not designed by God to be creatures of selfishness. We are designed to seek and discover happiness in loving God and loving and caring for others. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount said this. It said, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. On this note, on this note, I, I've been reading my one of my favorite authors, James Stalker, here lately, and uh, James Stalker pointed to Matthew five and the, and the beatitudes, that first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. You 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 remember that portion? And he indicated something that that I've known all along, but I've just it, he just put it in such he put it in such great words is that the kingdom of god that jesus introduced when he came that he announced when he came the kingdom of god now exists inside of us the people that that jesus saw the people the jews that that received him they were looking for a kingdom of gold and splendor a kingdom of of a king that would conquer their enemies and and to fill the earth with the glory of the spoils of this planet, this this place. When Jesus announced the kingdom, he said, the kingdom that's coming now is a kingdom that's inside. It's a kingdom of character. It's a kingdom of, of me, God, transforming the lives of my people to a people that are blessed because they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, Again, there's just a big contrast here. There's a big difference between desiring and longing for something to make our body, to, you know, fill our belly or to make our body more comfortable and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And I find the difference in the language striking. When we desire or long for something, it can fill our minds and drown other things out. But, but hungering and thirst, hunger and thirst, that's a matter of survival, right? In other words, uh, a desiring for, a coveting, a longing for, There's a difference between that and survival. Our survival is dependent, folks, on us being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So anyway, that's what we see in the first point. We are to avoid covetousness and we are to meet our own needs first. That's what the Apostle Paul seems to be saying there. But then there's a second point. And I'm going to take some time to break this one down a bit more. Uh, we are to understand that giving is better than receiving. In verse 35, Paul says this, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I want to take some time today to think about what does it mean to be blessed? I know as a guy who grew up, I grew up in the church from a young age. My, my mom had me at church. She had me in Youth group and, and kids' club and all that kind of good stuff. And I know that we Christians, we can throw away we can throw around lingo and never really talk about what the lingo means. So let's talk about this morning what this what is this concept of blessed and what does it mean when Jesus, Paul quoting Jesus, said it is more blessed to give than receive. By the way, you can't find that saying, you can't find that saying in the Gospels of Jesus saying it's more blessed to give than receive. And so scholars believe that Paul received that. You know, Paul had some supernatural encounters with Christ, and and that principle must have been passed on to him in one of those encounters. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, I want to break it down into three aspects, and the first one is a spiritual aspect. There's a spiritual aspect to blessing. Paul had spent three years with the Ephesians before he spent some time in Macedonia and Greece, This is the longest time that he spent at any one location during his missionary journeys in Ephesus, three years. He had ministered to the Ephesians. God bore much fruit through him there. He faced opposition there. He had a relationship with the Ephesians. He was now headed to Jerusalem but makes a final stop in Ephesus to say goodbye. And in verse 17 through 27, Paul makes the case that the Ephesian leaders that he had, he made the case to the Ephesian leaders that, that he is driven. Paul, what drives his life, what motivates him to action, what gets him going in the morning to continue this ministry is the deep desire to fulfill the ministry to which the Lord Jesus Christ has called him. That's the reason why he lives the way he lives, teaching in public and, in house and ha- from house to home to home. Even when he's facing opposition from the Jews, he keeps going because he has this deep desire to live out this ministry. He has expended great effort to minister to the Ephesians. He's faced opposition. And now he's facing a new challenge and even danger by traveling to Jerusalem. So what is the blessing? Take your Bible and flip back one page to Acts 19. And let's read about Paul's time for just a minute in Ephesus. Acts 19, beginning in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Let's just stop right there. Let's just, okay, pump the brakes. How many of us in this room long to hear that sentence said of us? I mean, put your your name in that blank, right? And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of, insert your name. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Anyway, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried back to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of, by the way, I've seen some TV preachers try to replicate this today and it's a joke. Please, if anybody says, I I bless this handkerchief, I'm going to send it to you in the mail for a gift of so many dollars, then, um, uh, shut the TV off and take a sledgehammer and break it. Don't do the last part. Uh, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you see what's going on here. Some Jewish folks that are trying to make some money are going to try to drive out evil spirits by invoking the name. So, they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them, and I love this. And if you don't think there's comedy in the Bible, you are wrong, because this is hilarious to me. The evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? That's hilarious to me. And the man, whom the evil spirit, uh, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them mastered, them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They went in to make a few bucks. They went out naked and hurt. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And the number of those who had practiced the magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to fifty. Thousand pieces of silver, you, you know you, we read past this, and we don 't understand These folks had spent their lifetimes accumulating uh, in these books the practices, the notes, whatever this was their livelihood, they were practicing these dark arts, these magic arts. This was their livelihood. People came to them because this was their stock in trade. And when they encountered the living Christ, they burned those things, even though they were... This isn't like books today, folks. They didn't have printing presses. They didn't have Amazon.com. There was no UPS driver to drop it off. If they wanted books, they had to hand copy. These things were of enormous value. This was their livelihood. And this encounter with the living Christ was so transformative that they burned it. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So what was the blessing? Fruit. Supernatural results. The blessing is seeing all these folks coming to Christ and, and not just mouthing the words, but actually putting action behind it, burning their books, you know, uh, changing their ways. The result is living with the confidence that you are operating according to God's purpose for your life. Folks, don't be the one that, t- that spends your time on this planet accumulating trinkets and stamps on your passport Live for the ministry that your Lord Jesus Christ has set before you. God is going to carry out his work on this earth. And he will use each one of us if we will yield our lives to him. God has gifted each one of us in the church differently. Some of us can preach. Others of us can teach. Some of us are very good at encouragement. Others are very good at uh, correction, admonishment, and some of us are just very good at making money, right? Your job is to work hard at the ministry that God has given you and enjoy the fruit of it. We have an opportunity here. Uh, we're, we're, you know, as Mrs. Miner said in the video, we're at a, we're at a turning point. We're at a, we're at a checkpoint in the life of this ministry. God has entrusted us with a local church ministry that has a growing Christian school. And as I've mentioned before, I've said this before, we live in a growing community. Delaware is not shrinking. There's new houses going up everywhere I go. Private Christian school interest is exceptionally high in this area of the country, okay? Our school is full and people are waiting to get in. I mean, people are coming in for interviews for spots that don't exist for next year. Let me say that again. People are coming in for interviews with the admissions department for school spots that don't exist yet next year, because they're hoping hoping that some will open up. Okay, we just had an election, and I am gonna say I, I'm gonna say that uh, I'm gonna say it this way: a, a couple of the school systems that feed into you know where kids if they're going to public school they go to those schools if they go to public school, but a couple of those school systems. That, that feed into this school if they, those parents decide to send them here, had an opportunity to to reverse course on some of the very worldly and very dangerous policies uh, that uh, that are infecting our schools. Some of the, Some of the more rural schools uh, made a turn, and they they unelected some school board members and, and put some school board members on to kind of turn the ship. But two of the bigger school systems in our area doubled down on those policies, on those worldly policies. I say that to say I don't see the need decreasing. But what I failed to mention before, and I'm gonna to mention today, talking about spiritual, the spiritual aspect of the blessing, is that each and every day, Through our church ministry and our school ministry, we have the opportunity to minister the Word of God to families and students. Some of those families and students are connected with this church, but many are not. But all of them are believers in the Delaware area. My desire, and I know it's also the desire of the school administration. I only want us to get better at ministering the word of God to one another in our church and in our school. Next weekend, this coming weekend, we're gonna wrap up the third weekend of, a, of biblical counseling training. What do I mean by that? Each, uh, we've, each, uh, each staff member, each teacher has been uh, given training in biblical counseling over three weekends. Uh, and you guys were invited to participate in that too. Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? We're doing that. This has been a dream of mine. We are doing that so that as we work with a student who is not doing their math homework, and they're not doing their math homework because they don't understand math. They're not doing their math homework because they don't want to do their math homework, right? As As we do life together with a student who has difficulty getting along with his or her teammates on the field or the teacher in the classroom, As we have contact with a parent who is upset with some facet of their child's educational experience or a teacher who's just struggling, we have the tools available at our disposal that the world doesn't have. We're not going to say to that math. We have more tools available to us than telling that student who's not doing their math homework. You're going to get a failing grade. We have more tools available to us than telling that, that student that's struggling to get along with their teammate. Suck it up and do better. We have more tools available to us to help those parents than, than just to sit there and listen to the parents and tell them what we think they want them, want us to tell them so that they'll get off our backs and go away. We have the Word of God the life-transforming Word of God, and we wanna be ministers to that of that here in our church and in our school. Not only that, but the quality of the education, I believe, is increasing. We, you know, this just kind of breathes by us as a church, but but Jane Minor and her team just recently achieved ACSI certification, and that requires ongoing effort to keep up. What does that mean? That means there's an outside group, the uh, Association of Christian Schools International, looking at us, uh, over time to make sure that we're doing what we say that we do, that our classes are actually aiming towards the outcome that we desire. And what is the outcome that we desire? The outcome that we desire is that we have the next generation of Christian leaders, thinkers, workers that trace their heritage back to this ministry, Delaware Bible Church and Delaware Christian School. we want to be a school that bears spiritual fruit. We want to be a church that bears spiritual fruit. We want to apply the word of God to every situation with the right recipe of truth and grace and allow God to grow grow people allow God to grow people through that. What we want in our church and what we want in our school is that can you share share along with me the idea that seeing spiritual fruit being produced in people's lives, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Seeing someone really grow and change, putting off sin and putting on godliness, to see that happen in the context of the local church is a blessing. So what are you willing to sacrifice for that? I gotta go fast there's a second component a, racial, a relational aspect paul is leaving them paul is leaving the ephesians but before he goes he speaks to them some very strong words if you go back and look at it he says to them some very some things that if you just if you were a brand new person at our church and you walked up to me and you said what paul said to the ephesians i i would probably be offended right what's he say he says pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock he says that to the leaders He also tells them that from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Don't just look out for what's going on outside the body. Look about what's going on inside the body. And even amongst yourselves, there's going to be problems. Be alert. He says, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, he said... Jesus lived this example out, now you go live it. I've lived Jesus' example out in front of you, now you go live it. And then he prayed and then he left. I would submit to you that one of the blessings of giving is relationship, relationship. The reason that Paul could say what he said to the Ephesians and them not be offended was because he had with them a relationship. Why? Because they had been through the good times. They had seen the spiritual fruit. They'd been through the bad times, the times of adversity when the Jews came and tried to oppress them, and they said, you gotta stop doing this. They had been through that together, and in going through those things together, that hardship, those good times, they grew in their relationship. It's been my observation that people who are generous People are generous with who they are, their time, their talent, their treasure. They typically get along with others better than those who are stingy. Perhaps in learning to be generous with his time and his treasure, the Apostle Paul learned to be more generous with his graciousness towards those that he came into contact with. That is, once Paul came into contact with someone and showed them how much he loved them through his generosity... They were more open to hear what he had to say about Christ. I would submit to you that better relationships are a blessing. And I would also submit to you that if we work together to complete this building project that the leadership has been telling you about, I think it will yield blessings in our relationships as this local body of Christ moves together to complete something that is hard that is a challenge, to do something big, I think it'll be an encouragement to us all. I'm just gonna be honest with you. There's, there's a funny thing about churches and uh, I would like you to register your agreement with me or your disagreement on this with uh, an amen or, or, I don't know. What's the opposite of amen, Boo? Here's, there's a funny thing about churches. Not everyone in a church is going to agree on everything. Amen. Amen. That's true, right? As this, uh, here's one of the things I think we can all agree on. I, I, I think this is something that we can all agree on, and it's a two-stage thing, so pay attention. Number one, if a church stagnates, it will fail. Amen? What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? If a church loses its passion to carry out the ministry that God has given us, that lack of passion will seep into everything until it just feels like we're coming here on a Sunday morning to go through some traditional songs, some traditional talking, but there's nothing really happening as a result. Lives aren't being transformed. Things aren't being done. It's just going to degenerate into a cold and dying body. People will notice And people will leave. I I leaned over to Bob Johnson this morning. I said, one of the things I love about our choir is I see young faces, I see middle-aged faces, I see older faces. I love that about this church, right? I love it. Now, on the other hand, if a church bites off more than it can chew, if a church bites off more than it can chew, it dies, Amen. Let me explain what I mean by that. You might not agree. I've I've been witness to multiple churches that have taken on large amounts of debt with no clear understanding of how they could pay it off. In other words, they took a if you a, they, they went field of dreams on it. If you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. And let's say that we were to do that. We were to take on so much debt that we couldn't hardly handle it. All we could do is manage the payment on the interest. We could never get the principal paid off. And that went on for years and drugged, drug on for years and years and years. Well, likely everyone would be eventually become annoyed or even upset with the leadership. The leadership would probably step down or leave just because nobody likes them anymore. And the church would struggle along. I think I've built enough of a relationship with you over these nine years to say the following. It's time for us to be stretched. I think it will be growthy for us and our faith to take some time and consider how we can reprioritize things to work on this project together. I don't know how much, I I, I don't know much, but I know that I'm good at math. That's one of the talents that I do have, um, that and uh, Shade Tree Mechanic. But for this project to of work, of the size of the, for the size of the congregation that we are, we're going to have to do more than, we're going to have to do more than just make a, a small token offering that doesn't really make any sacrifice on our part. For some of you, you're going to have to consider contributing like a lot of money. For, for those of you that are, that have been entrusted with much, you might need to consider contributing $100,000 or more. Others 50, others 10 and many many of you smaller gifts so that we can accomplish this project together. And I know I know what I'm asking for. In other words, I'm telling you, I know what I'm asking for. But it's not the dollar figure that it's not the dollar figure that's important because God has blessed and entrusted each one of us with different gifts and assets. It's the commitment and sacrifice that will grow your faith. I'll talk more about sacrifice in a moment. So that's the one that's the If the church doesn't stretch out, if the church isn't stretched, if the church isn't challenged to do big things, if it stagnates, it dies. But here's, here's the other side of the coin. My commitment to you, my commitment to you is that the leadership of this church is not gonna put us in a position where we bite off more than we can chew. We're not gonna take a, if we build it, they will come mentality. We're gonna be the best stewards of God's resources that we possibly can be. We are debt-free as a ministry. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. We are debt-free. And my desire is that either as the last drop of paint is drying on the completed project or very soon thereafter, we will be debt-free again. then when the project is done we can look at each other with joy and gratitude of what god has done through us little delaware bible church going against the flow of the culture building for the next generation last aspect is the emotional aspect as Paul is leaving, we read this in verses 37-38. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken that he would they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. When someone goes away that you love, when someone goes away that you have a deep relationship with, when someone goes away that you've practiced your faith with, there's sadness, there's emotion. And as I've often said, emotions are good. They are God-given. These emotions are often designed by God to inform us of things. For example, if we do evil and we feel bad about it, that's God, that's that's part of God's design to help us to understand that we need to turn around from that behavior and repent of it and and live a different way. When Paul leaves Ephesus as a result of the spiritual blessings that they've had that they've experienced together as a church. When Paul leaves Ephesus as a result of the relational blessings that they've experienced together, This resulted in emotional blessings too. Deep feelings experienced for good reasons. The tears, the hugs, the kisses that Paul experienced that day was a visible evidence to him that he had indeed been working towards that, fulfilling that spiritual ministry that God had called him to. You see, folks, generosity improves the life of the giver and the receiver. It it improves the life of the receiver and the giver. I have a video, but I'm I'm out of time. I'm not gonna, there's no audio to it. This is a video of a man that's, uh, during the pandemic, he lives in New York City and he loves to eat uh, Chinese food and he loves to practice the Chinese language with the people that work there. And uh, so during the pandemic, when he noticed that a lot of these businesses were struggling, he raised some money, and then he proceeded to go give several different businesses $1,000 tips for his $15 meals. And um, in doing so, so the, the reason that this video is so funny to me is because this, the lady behind the counter worked so hard to try to give him the money back because she thinks it's too generous, it's too much. What are you doing? You're crazy. And uh, it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like the fights that I used to have with my grandmother when I mowed her grass and I expected her to pay me $5, but she insisted on paying me 20 That woman would not give up. She wanted, if I gave her back the $15 that was too much, then the next day in my jeans at home, I would wake up and there would be another $15 in the pocket. She, she insisted on being generous to me. But for reasons that, we, that are not completely clear to us, as human beings, other than God's design, giving away things to people in need feels good to the giver. And perhaps it's the knowledge that you are able to help someone else out in need. And the greater the need, it seems like the better the feeling. For example, helping someone else who is helping someone in the checkout line who's five cents short on their payment, that feels good. But helping a family out by having them into your home after they've just experienced a devastating house fire feels not just good but wonderful and will likely form in your brain a memory that will never leave you. You'll have it for the rest of your life. This may have been what Jesus was talking about when he said or, or at least partially what Jesus was talking about when he said in Matthew 6:21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we invest our treasure in helping others, our hearts will be tuned to the needs of others, even to the point of personal sacrifice. And I just want to say that better, these, these good feelings that we get from doing these things is a blessing. So, what's the answer to the question? What does it look like? What does it mean to steward what should be the goal of the stewardship we learned about last week? Here it is: the the goal of our stewardship should be to meet our own needs. We need that's the way God set it up. He set it up so that we would work and we would earn to put to meet our necessities, our food, clothing, and shelter necessities. But then be a blessing to others with joy, and the key word here is action. Be a blessing to others with joy and action. And what that will result in, I would argue, I'm making a case from Acts chapter 20 today, is blessings to you. Spiritual blessings, relational blessings, emotional blessings. Here's some possible applications. And uh, before you start packing your stuff up, because I know we're getting late. But before you start packing your stuff up, this is going to take a, a couple of extra minutes than normal, so hang with me. First of all is this, with the knowledge of it's better to give than receive, how does the shape of your life need to change? Whether the Lord convicts you to help with this building project or whether the Lord doesn't, we need to understand that our job here, our task here of loving God, loving others, and making disciples should impact the shape of our lives and how we use our time, talent, and treasure. So please consider that this week. And I would ask you to pray about your commitment to this effort. Um, What is sacrificial giving? Somebody asked me. And uh, here it is in a nutshell. Sacrificial giving is delayed gratification. It's sacrificing maybe perhaps something that you want now for something better later. Sacrificial giving is delayed gratification. That's the, that's the best and simplest way that I can explain it. Sacrificing something that you want now for something better later. We do it all the time with our kids, right? If you want to have a good life later, you have to go to school now. <laughs> you don't want to go to school. But if you want a better life later, you have to go to school now. If you want to be a blessing to others later, you have to go to school now. So pray about it. And then finally, uh, if the Lord would have you participate in this capital campaign, please complete your commitment card this week and bring it with you next Sunday. And just so I can mitigate any uh, extra marriage counseling cases, uh, husbands, please agree with your spouse on the amount. You know, try to reach agreement as a couple. I do not, I do not think it would be wise for you for the husband to put down a number and and uh, not run up, not communicate with his wife that'd be bad now i want to I want to end this whole thing before i I let you go for the week to to consider these things i want to i want I want to end this whole thing with kind of a pointed thing and i approve and I uh, apologize. Early on in this process, back when we were when we were con- the leadership of the church, the leadership of the school, we were walking through the process of what, what are we going to build? You know, what do we need? Uh, we know we need some classroom space for the school. Uh, we've got uh, we we could use a dedicated space for this, and it'd be nice to have a space for that in the church, and you know, all these things. We were thinking about all these things, and this conversation actually happened several times. Pastor Scott, we can't we can't build that because. Uh, the The uh, church family will see that as a naked attempt to to grow onto the school but with no blessings for the church. In other words the church, all the church members the church members won 't buy it because they 'll say what 's in it for us what 's in it for the church And we are planning to build uh, a, a commons like space in the uh, courtyard to cover that up at least two-thirds of it, cover it up and, and do that. And that will be a blessing to our church uh, in terms of more space for uh, the youth group, more space for medium-sized meetings, funeral dinners. We can, think of, we can think of a long laundry list of things that we can use that space for as a church. And I will admit to you that because the, classrooms, the classroom wing will be back there, I'm sure that we will use that for counseling and discipleship just because of its sheer seclusion. It'll be a nice place to have some private meetings Back there, but but it won't be as much of a blessing to the church if if all you think about the blessings to the church are are uh, more spaces for us to meet in and more spaces for us to use on a week to week basis. But my argument is, I'm asking us to do something that is explicitly Christian. We're not like the world. And so my expectations are we're not going to behave like the world. I'm asking us to give to something that you're right. you might not receive you might not receive the blessings of it as much in this life. It's a sacrifice. But the investment that you make will impact students, parents, families uh, and our church. In a smaller way, but in our church, it will impact uh, Christians long after I'm in the grave, Lord willing. Long after many of us are with the Lord. That's why we called it building for future generations and not building for us right now. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to dream big. And to think about the future and to plan, leaving it all in your hands as to what's going to get done, uh, knowing that, um, that Father, uh, you know what we can and can't do. And, it, and, and Father, it may be uh, that we discover that, that the answer to the, this construction project that's proposed is yes, and we may learn that it's no, and we'll trust you the same. But Father, we get excited to think about what you can do through us. And so, Father, I I would ask that you would uh, help us each to catch that vision of what it would be for us to work together towards something big that could be a blessing to so many for so long. For your honor and your glory and your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.